the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman, your happy host here on a Saturday. Hey, this weekend, uh, obviously this is the pre-Youth Safari Day weekend, so this is the last time to kind of get organized, get straightened out. Next Saturday, July 22nd, you need to be out at Rahagi's, rahagis.com, for Youth Safari Day. Take the kids. Starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, wraps up about two thirty, three o'clock, but this is the best way to have them a, an extremely fun, safe, educational day about all the outdoor sports. Everything from kayaking to archery. Cherry Valley bow hunters are going to be out there. Carolyn Morehouse is going to be doing some great instructing. Um, the uh, Orange County Safari Club is going to have their sensory safari. They're putting on this whole thing. It's a great, great event. So lots of people are involved. There's 22 shooting under supervision. There's BB gun ranges, airsoft. There's so many fun things going on to teach your kids about the outdoors, from rock climbing to dog trials to horseback. You're going to be exhausted. So come early and make sure you get your lunch ticket online so you can get an In-N-Out burger while you're there because Rahagi's is not exactly close to anything else out there. So you want to make sure you set that all up. Go to Youth Safari Day. Uh, look it up online. That's Saturday the 22nd. I also wanted to do a little bit of a shout out. I have a special guest who's joining me here. He's kind of hanging out in the background. His name is Mitch Fitzpatrick. Those of you in the long range shooting community will understand who he is. But Mitch, say hello to everybody. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> He's from Michigan, eh? So um, <laughs> Mitch is going to be talking about some extreme long-range exploits with us in just a few minutes here, but I wanted to give a shout-out to one of our major sponsors here, uh, Maglite. Those of you who uh, know Maglite, you know that they've been known for those giant aluminum um, law enforcement-style flashlights of the past. But unfortunately, law enforcement is no longer able to illuminate suspects the way that they used to. But Maglite makes an absolutely fantastic, reliable product. And I'm bringing this up because as we speak, my two children are out of the country. My son's on his honeymoon in France, and my daughter's working in a third world country. And I had to send them off. And both of them got sent off with the Maglite. My son got the TAC LED with the crown bezel. My daughter got their 200 series. Um, she's going to be there a little longer, and he's a little bit better battery life. But you think about it, you're... Visiting someplace you don't know, light is an issue. If you are traveling internationally, you should have a defensive light. Uh, we're using Maglite on that. Also, Cutting Edge Bullets, we've been doing a lot of work with them. Now, Mitch, you're a little bit familiar with Cutting Edge, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, we've 
been shooting cutting-edge bullets in our ELR rigs for a little while now. But you only shoot out to, what, three or 4,000 yards? Yeah, that, that's it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, that's what you get with precision machining. So check that out, folks. Uh, cutting-edge bullets. We just did some work uh, workup on a new bullet they're bringing out for the 270. It's a 135-grain. Um, oops, sorry about that. 135 135- that was tearing paper. A 135 grain 270 bullet. Uh, we used it on our Hogomania hunt here last two weeks ago. And we'll talk about more next week on that one. So let me introduce you to your guest, folks. This is Mitch Fitzpatrick. Um, Mitch is a civilian who is a Second Amendment supporter and has been all of his life. He grew up in Michigan. Uh, just start with you a little bit with your background there, Mitch. Uh, you grew up in Michigan where? I grew up in central Michigan, a little town called Beaverton, um, pretty much center of the mitt. You know, you can show everyone where it's at on your hand. Um, you know, a nice little area. It's kind of an agricultural area, and that's why I got into long-range shooting in Michigan because that's kind of a kind of a weird thing in Michigan. You know, a lot of a lot of trees, so we don't really have the long range that you know a lot of guys out west have. Yeah, most, most people in Michigan. Most people in Michigan are, are tree stand hunting, and it's a thirty forty yard shot tops. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're in the woods, and that's that's that. But you get out into the agricultural areas, and you get some open fields, and circumstances just allowed that uh, I was able to kind of notice long range and started to gain an interest in it, you know. So, so you were hunting, this is white-tailed deer, right? Yeah, yep, that's what we have in our area, just, just white-tails. Um, and, and in reality, in that area, it's, it's more of a utility than anything because, you know, crop damage and whatnot, we have so many deer in our area. So growing up, it was like, you know, you shoot deer to eat, and you also shoot them just, you know, for crop damage and all that. So now, you're talking was, to people no in California. shortage Cal- of hunting. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about people in California who don't understand that. Um, when I took an elk off of a, a ranch a couple of years ago, uh, he had just come up from an agricultural area. We got him up on the hill. Nice little five-by-six bull. His stomach had about 40 pounds of hay in it. Yep. That's one elk, and he was traveling with 30 of them, right? So yep. you talk about agricultural damage, people are like, oh, they're just eating a little bit here and there. You're talking the thousands of dollars of damage to farmers through wildlife. Yeah, well, to put in perspective, in our area a few years ago, they did a, a survey, and it was 100 deer per square mile. <laughs> we don't have 100 deer in our forest down here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, you can imagine the amount of... Um, you know, crop damage is going. And when I say we're shooting them for crop damage, I'm not saying we're shooting 50 deer off of a square mile of land. Right. But and we, we process and eat everything that we shoot. But the reality is, you know, it's not like it's not like we go out and shoot one deer. You know, we shoot out, go out and shoot three or four. So, you know, shooting, hunting, it's there's no shortage of that growing up. And by the way, uh, um, when do we have to put in for tags for Michigan? This kind of sounds fun. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know. You know, as a resident, we don't really have to put in that form at all. But I, I'm sure we're past the date now. Uh, hey, so, um, so did you ever run into a situation where you were on one side of the field and the animal you wanted to take was, I don't know, seven, eight hundred yards away on the other side? Oh yeah. And was so there... the way our family farm is set up there, it there's like a ridge line that kind of runs right down the middle of our property and. From from one from one side, you're looking over these fields to that ridge line, and you know at one end of the ridge line it's about 600 yards away, and at the other end it's you know about 900 yards away, and you just always see deer along there. And I remember growing up thinking, you know what, it'd be a whole lot better if we could just get them from here. You know, if we could just shoot them from here, that just makes so much more sense. 
I had an epiphany like that. I was in Colorado, and I was on one end of a flat, very, very flat area. I mean, it, it had just been cut, um, for, and they'd grazed cattle over it. So, you know, the cover was about six inches tall. And I was 1,100 yards away from the biggest, most massive mule deer I had ever seen. He, he came down this hill into this field and split up this group of does, just blew them up. And I'm thinking with my naked eye, why is that elk messing with those deer? Yep. You know, and uh, it was a shaded area. So he, And I put, put my binoculars and I almost passed out. But here I am 1,100 yards away. And so for the next 35 minutes of sunlight, I'm belly crawling across this trying to cut down the distance and I ran out of light. Um, and that was my day. I decided <laughs> I'm never going to get caught short again. You know, yep. I, I need to get my skill level and my equipment to the point where maybe not 1,100 yards, but if I got within seven or, or six or five, it wouldn't be a problem. It would just be a regular shot. And, exactly. and again, we're not, we're not saying you need to shoot at animals a mile, two miles away, but I think you need to have the competence level that you don't have a story like the one I'm sharing with you right now. Because that, yep. that was a 230-inch mule deer. He was, he was everything. I mean, he, he haunts yep. me to this day. Um, and I've got some nice deer, but this was, this, that was my once-in-a-lifetime chance. And I was unprepared with my uh, you know, nine-power scope. Yeah. <laughs> at 1,100 yep. yards. Something that had done extremely well in every single situation I'd been into up to that day. And then it didn't. Yep. So um, it's important that people think about that. Now, you were in high school when all this was going on, and you started, you started uh, getting an idea for the firearms were really part of your life growing up. Yeah, so once, I, once long range kind of became a focus or something that I wanted to pursue, um, I started, well, and another thing, too, is when I was in school, you know, we always had to, you always have to read books and stuff in school. I was reading, um, you know, the books about Carlos Hathcock and all those guys, and it was a book called Shooter, you know, different, that's the type of stuff I was interested in, you know. So I was reading these books, and uh, um, Carlos Hathcock used to shoot a, a type of competition called Palma, which is very similar to, uh, it's NRA high power, actually, I guess, but very similar to the F-class shooting that I do now. And so I... I saw that, and I, you know, I got interested in it. So that, along with the hunting, it's like, you know, long range just became this focus. A calling. And when I, yeah, like a calling. And when I started figuring out what I was going to need to acquire to do this, very quickly realized that on a high schooler's budget, long range shooting just isn't, isn't super practical. You know, I'm starting to price these custom rifles, and it's like, okay, something's got to be done a little bit different here. And, um... On my uncle's farm, so their family farm, my uncle's running now, they they had some equipment. You know, we had an old lathe and an old mill. That okay. I'm going to hold you right there for this commercial break. Um, okay. How we, how we got started here. You can check out more at AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. AppliedBallisticsLLC.com, and we'll explain who they are when we come back after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. 
As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. And since you're a regular listener, to the Firing Line Radio Show, I don't need to tell you what this show is all about, but for the one person that just tuned in, because they've been in witness protection. Well, this is for you. you know, that, or, or they left the country when Obama was president. This one's for you. Each week we have a conversation about the latest in firearms, hunting, and gun rights afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment to the Constitution. Our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been a longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo in Riverside. In response to anti-gun legislation in Excremento, we came up with the Firing Line Gun of the Month Challenge. Now, the Bullseye Sport is one of the establishments participating in this challenge, and each month there's a special offer on a firearm. The Gun of the Month for July is a Smith & Wesson M&P 1522 for only $399.99. Take advantage of the Gun of the Month Challenge today. Get down to Bullseye Sports in Riverside, where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. 951-823-0211. That's 951-823-0211. I actually talked to Vince a few minutes ago and told him to put one aside for me. You know, think about what we're dealing with here with the assault weapon ban that we don't even know how it's going to affect us or not. This is the ability to practice with the same size weapon as your AR-15 and not have to have it butchered where it looks like a space alien um, or has a J-trap from a toilet tube for a uh, stock on it. You know, this is a way to shoot the AR-15 as God intended uh, style and to practice with it. And so I think this is a great idea. $399.99. You can't go wrong with that. Check them out. Bullseyesport.com. Bullseyesport.com. Hey, joining me back here, I have Mitch Fitzpatrick. For those of you in the shooting community, you've heard his name recently. In the last six months, he's kind of been kind of popular. Telling us how he got started into shooting, and he grew up in a Michigan farm, um, you know, long clearings and so forth. Pretty creative young man, and decided to get into since he couldn't go out and buy a Jim Gruning style rifle. 
he said, how do I do this myself? And that's where we're going to pick up this story here. Uh, Mitch, why don't you continue, please? Yeah, so when I started to get into this and needed a rifle, um, I was able to get access to a an old mill and an old lathe on my uncle's farm. You know, they worked on tractor parts and whatnot. They had the machinery around. It's like, okay. So now I know I've got the, the tools I need. And uh, my dad and some uncles, they'd have had some machining backgrounds uh, in the past. So, I, I mean, I had people around me who knew how to, you know, operate these machines and make precision parts. Uh, and I just, you know, I started to buy a barrel. I think I bought like a shilling barrel blank. Um, I bought some wood laminate stock. I can't even remember who sells it now, but um, stuff that needed to be worked on. I had to do all the inletting, uh, and I actually drew up and machined the action from scratch um, on SolidWorks, which I was. I had a SolidWorks class in high school at the time, so I was drawing it up, did all the design work. I think um, you'd go to jail in California if you tried that. They say, "What are you doing? I'm making, I'm making a short action receiver. Uh, you're in jail. You're a terrorist." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's legal ways of doing it, um, at least according to the ATF. Oh, no, there's no. What I'm saying is, if in high school, if a high schooler in California said on SolidWorks, I'm going to make a gun receiver, that would be it. They'd oh, shut down God, the school. Yeah. You know, they'd have the snow. Snowflakes would all be melting from the inside of their pant leg first. It would just yep. be, you know, the typical hysteria that we deal with here on a daily basis. But but you designed your own action. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Designed it, machined it out, put it all together. And, you know, those first five shots downrange, shoot a little half-minute group, and, you know, that sense of, like, you know, this is going to work type of thing, and you're like, okay. So you and, machined out the action. What did you use for a bolt? Um, the bolt is actually, uh, the bolt I used was out of a Thompson-centered dimension, and the reason for that is I can buy them, at the time I could buy them at the local hardware store for 125 bucks. Parts is parts. And I, yeah, and I, you know, uh, checked all the dimensions on it, and it was actually really, really well machined, and saved a lot of money and a lot of screwing around there. So, oh, very interesting. And the receiver was it just um, it, <clears throat> what? What design did you use for it? Kind of a knockoff of seven hundred or savage? No, so it's because that bolt is like a three lug design, so sixty degree bolt throw. Um, yeah. It was like a big, heavy, it was actually, I say big and heavy, the dimensions were relatively large and heavy, but I actually made the majority of the action out of aluminum, and it had uh, a steel insert for the threads, uh, for the barrel threads, and for the lugs to lock into and engage, um, so it, it didn't end up being su- super heavy for how big it looks, but... Well, that's pretty interesting that you, I mean, that's pretty complex machining for somebody just starting off, too. Yeah, it was... It's quite the project. <laughs> well, very cool. And what caliber? Three hundred eight. Because uh, that was for F class target rifle competition at the time. Is what I was going for there. So now you mentioned uh, Carlos Hathcock shooting Palma. Uh, Palma is what, is it up to a thousand yards? Yeah, yeah, but that's like where they use a sling and open sights and everything. Right. So um, there's no bipods. You have to shoot no. completely self-supported. Yep. Yeah, so that's what I originally got exposed to. And then doing more research, I found the F-Class thing locally. And to be completely honest, the scopes and bipods kind of interested me a little bit more. So I, I started to gravitate more towards that route. I get it. I can't. I put the front sight on a target at 1,000 yards, and all I see is front sight. Target disappears. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Okay, so you started with the F class and start, shot your way through high school, and you ended up meeting a certain gentleman on your F class team, right? Yeah, yep, that's where I met uh, Brian Litz. Okay, for those of you who don't know Brian Litz, Brian Litz, uh, I, we just dick, you know called him now the uh, father of modern ballistics. How's that? But this is a guy who's done a ton of work in the last 10 years. He's been on the show three, four times ton of work. He's worked with Berger, Cutting Edge, all the different high-end bullet companies with the science of ballistics. And it is a science. When someone says shooting long distance isn't rocket science, they don't really know what they're talking about. And we're going to get into what Mitch has been able to do with that. But Brian has done some great work. His company is Applied Ballistics out of Michigan. Website is AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. He's got books. He's got uh, computer programs. I think he even has a new Kestrel with the ballistics worked into it. Is that correct, Mitch? Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of products now, actually. We've got the Kestrels, um, this new SIG Kilo 2400 rangefinder that has the software built in. Will that really Um, detect a target at 2400 yards? Uh, it'll it'll do a steel target at 2400. Uh, hunting, they advertise you know like kind of deer stuff out to about 1400. So soft, non-reflective targets at 1400. Yeah. Yep. That's a long way. That's a oh long yeah. Way. Yeah, I mean you can get tree lines you know well out past a mile, past 2000 and stuff like that. So. And and so when you're ranging something, if you have a. a uh, range finder, laser range finder, and there's a deer on a clearing and you can't get a reading on it, then you pick the trees next to it or the rock or anything you can get a bounce off of that's going to give you that as close as you can get range finding capability. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. So you're with Applied Ballistics, um, then you join the U.S. rifle team, right? Yep. And yeah, then- so that was kind of the next progression with uh, the F-class shooting. As, as I got better, um, I tried out and was able to make the the national team now people don't understand but rifle shooting firearms in general really that's america's martial arts okay oh yeah you know brazilians got the jujitsu and there's karate in japan well we have firearms and so here's a civilian from the middle of michigan middle of the country well top end but middle of the country um rising to the top of the shooting sports without any military, without any government assistance, but taking it over from there. So on the U.S. rifle team, what kind of shooting did that involve? Um, again, it's just the, the F-class target rifle. So that was just a... Okay, so F-class, is a, of, okay, F-class doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. So what okay, exactly yeah. is an F-class rifle? Yeah, so F-class is... Uh, so it's a three oh eight rifle. F-class target rifle specifically is a three oh eight rifle. Um, it, weighs, must, it must be three oh eight. Yes. Okay. Yep. Three oh. It can be also a two twenty three, but um, I mean the three oh eight ballistically just are superior to the two twenty three. So virtually no one uses a two twenty three. Okay. Um, three oh eight. So a rifle can weigh, you know, including your scope and bipod, can weigh eighteen pounds. Has to be shot off a bipod. Um, you can use any scope you want, and it's shot all at a. Well, I should say all. There's mid range matches that are shot at six hundred yards. But it's mostly thousand yard shooting, um, where you shoot kind of long strings of fire, uh, usually twenty shots at a time. With the entire goal is keeping them um, on a bullseye target, you know, within the the ten inch um, bullseye at a thousand yards. So it's a one minute um, bullseye, and then there's actually a an X ring in the middle um, that's uh, used for tiebreakers. But um, so the whole concept is to 
you know, shoot lots of rounds, keep them in the center, keep up with wind conditions. It's really, it's a, you know, it's a wind calling game, as is all long range shooting. Um, but it's a, it's a slower paced, very precision oriented style of shooting. A lot of fun, but not, not big to watch. No, no, it's not a spectator sport. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, this is Philip Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at FiringLineRadio.com. We'll be right back with Mitch Fitzpatrick after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show, and on our website, FiringLineRadio.com, where you can get the podcasts. For free, so make sure you do that. Hey, I'm with, here with Mitch Fitzpatrick. He is the current king of two miles in the shooting competition. He's also the winner of the world's longest shot challenge, and we're going to get to those as soon as we can here. But he was talking about a competition shooting at a thousand yards called F class with a 308, and the goal, as he said, is to try and keep them all within a 10 inch circle. But the unique thing is, he as he went off the air, he said that that long range shooting is basically wind calling and to be precise on that. And that's because everybody has access to the same cartridge in an F class. They all have access to the same style bullets. They all have 45 power scopes and heavy match barrels and very, very light triggers. So what you end up with is the consistency of the equipment is going to show up on the vertical stringing. So you may have a one to two inch vertical string but you may have a, anything from a 10-inch to a 36-inch horizontal group, right? So you, groups tend to look like pancakes at that kind of yardage. Is that, is that correct, Mitch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really shoot for about – If you, I mean, if you're shooting five inches of vertical at 1,000 yards for a full string, that, I mean, that's really good. So figure about five inches, you know, half-minute. Um, so, I mean, as long as your equipment, you're capable of shooting a half-minute group, um, you're good that way. And now throughout the string, you got to keep up with changing wind conditions, um, and that's how you keep them in the center. Exactly, because with a three hundred eight at a thousand yards, you're talking about a two second time of flight. Um, no, it's it? not that much. It's like one point two or something like that. A little right. over one. One point two. Okay, so let's get in now to the long range. Your long range shooting and your aficionado. You did a contest. Was this your first time King of Two Miles competition? No, actually, I was, I was actually going to correct you on that. Um, I'm actually not the current King of Two Miles now. I won the King of Two Miles last year at the 2016 match. 
Um, my teammate, Derek Rogers, actually won it this year. Uh, I know it was an applied ballistics jersey. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. No, it's so just a technicality. But, uh, yeah, Derek won it this year. All right. So you're not the current reigning. You've been dethroned. Well, what do yep. I have you on the show for? Jeez, that's it. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was, that's what I was wondering, man. <laughs> No, I'm very glad to have you on here. Okay, so at two miles, let's talk a little bit about the equipment that you guys chose for these shoot, these shoots. Yeah, so we are shooting 375 caliber rifles. Um, me and both me and Brian Litz uh, and another team member Paul Phillips were actually shooting a cartridge that I developed called the 375 Lethal Magnum, um, and the whole idea was to get the heavy heavy for caliber high bc 375 caliber bullets that are on the market now um up to you know essentially as fast of a velocity as we can push them with um the available powders that we have you know limited by the burn rate of powders and whatnot so what kind of bullet are you um, using? how okay 375 now people think of 375 they think 375 hauling and hauling a big fat you know big fat cartridge yeah. big round nose for elephants and so forth but that's yep. not that's not current no, we're, I mean, we're shooting things. So like my cartridge has, you know, we're buying like 160 grains of powder. Um, and we're pushing a 400 grain bullet, a 400 grain cutting edge laser at, um, 3,200 feet per second. So, uh, what is that? 12,000 foot pounds energy? Uh, no, it's like 9,500. Oh, only 95. That is yeah, unbelievable to get. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty close to 50 BMG energy. Yeah, it's approaching 50 BMG energy, but the the ballistics are actually far superior to the 50 cal. Um, these 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 really high velocity, um, heavy 375 setups um, are really the the highest ballistic performance setups on the world right now, in the world right now, as far as small arms go. So the cutting edge laser, uh, there's a measure, folks. There's a measure of efficiency, kind of like your miles per gallon on your car. For a bullet, it's called the ballistic coefficient, uh, or BC in, in parlance. So the higher the BC number, which can be a little bit over one, but that's pretty much it, tells you how many miles per gallon. So you can have something that's huge. A 400-grain bullet is a huge bullet. And when they're made out of a monolith, like cutting edge out of copper, which is a, li a lighter uh, material than most cup and core lead bullets you can get a longer more sleek design through especially through the swiss cnc machining the cutting edge does it's very very precise but it glides it's almost like you have a a crew boat on the river you know how one stroke it just goes and it's nice and smooth as opposed to a rowboat which plows through the water so efficiency is so important when you're talking about his extended ranges what is the bc on this cutting edge laser um, I'm trying to remember what the so most people are familiar with the G1 ballistic coefficient. Right. Um, it's it's like it's in the mid 900s, I think. Jeez. And for a 50 caliber, most I think the higher end is about 750, right? Yeah, 750 grain bullet. Yeah. And you're also burning like 220 grains of powder the 50 cal. Yep. Yeah. So, so here you're able to take a smaller cartridge and outperform them through better design. What was your base of this 375 Lethal Magnum? Um, so it's actually based on a, a cartridge that was originally designed as a like hunting cartridge. 505? 585. Five, it's actually the 585. The Nyati? Hubble Express. Nope, Hubble, Hubble Express. Express. It's a longer cartridge, 
it's actually the same diameter as like a shy tack case but it's longer um and i necked it down and did all that fun stuff so how did you find a 585 hubble express <laughs> i actually just saw some random internet posts about it and i contacted the guy who designed it and believe it or not it turns out he lives 20 miles from me so i drove over and picked up 50 cases from him <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> yeah, wasn't was pretty... me- that wasn't meant to be right yeah exactly <laughs> 160 grains of powder. So let's put that into comparison. A 30-06, well, you could burn between 55 and 60 grains of powder, 270, 60 grains of powder, 300 wind mag, 75 grains of powder, a uh, 300 rum, 99 grains of powder, uh, you know, 100 for a 338 Lapua, 135 for a 3378, and this thing's burning 160 grains of powder. Yeah, that's you go through a pound pretty darn quickly there. Oh yeah, when I'm loading up for these matches, I I burn through eight pound jugs pretty quickly. <laughs> okay, so um, precision is everything. So you're using the best that you can get because with accuracy, it, it has to be re- repeatability, correct? Yep. So yeah, so I mean, we use the highest you know the highest quality components that we can get our hands on um, to shoot the smallest groups possible. Um, you know, because this, this is a big thing Brian talks about, and it's the difference between accuracy and precision. You know, precision is how small of a group you can shoot, and accuracy is your ability to, you know, essentially put that group on the center of your crosshairs no matter what you're trying to shoot at. Um, so we get our precision as best as we possibly can, and then that way when we start, you know, running our ballistics programs and doing all the math and making our wind calls, um, it, it's a little bit more forgiving on you know, how we can get that accuracy on target. So for a two-mile shot, what is the time of flight? Um, at two miles, you know, depending on your elevation, air density, and whatnot, you're really looking at probably seven and a half seconds. Seven and a half seconds. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, 30, so, 3,800 yards or something? Uh, 3520 actually 3520 yards yep. seven and a half second flight time so for those of us who failed out of uh, physics and so forth what happens on the earth if you are suspended above it for seven and a half seconds oh man there's a lot so you've got you've got your gravity um, so gravity is obviously the one most people are familiar with right, that's your uh, then you've got wind you've got wind drift um, so there's actually a thing called spin drift, and that's since your bullet is spinning at such a high rate, um, and the you know it's trying to keep itself aligned with its trajectory, it ends up pulling itself. Um, if you have a right hand twist barrel, it ends up pulling itself to the right. So you have spin drift where your bullet's just naturally drifting you, to the you're right. You're saying high, so it's like eight, 180,000 RPM, right? Something in that neighborhood. Yeah, actually, that's that's like a standard. So we're shooting. We have actually one in seven twist rates oh, on these three seventy fives. Yeah, we're spinning um, just under three hundred thousand, I think. So a one in seven twist rate. What that means, folks, is in a, a barrel on the inside has rifling the lands and the grooves, and one full rotation as a as a bullet goes down the barrel every seven inches, it's going to rotate one time to the right, and that's your twist rate, and that that's like the difference between. Um, uh, you know, a professional football player throwing a pass or a quarterback throwing a pass and me throwing a pass. He's got the perfect spiral on it. He gets an extra 40 yards on the throw. I throw the duck and it goes about 25 yards. So um, it's 
it's again, it's precision. It's having the balance on the bullet. It's putting the right spin on the to stabilize it because when all that force hits the back end of the bullet, there's a lot of destabilizing factors. Your barrel length, your your lands and grooves, and the style of your lands and grooves, all those things come into play as as does the twist rate to stabilize this because this is a moonshot taking a shot out to 3,500 yards. Folks, Philip Naiman, I'm here with Mitch Fitzpatrick. We'll be right back after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, joining you back here with Mitch Fitzpatrick, the former king of two miles, but the winner of the world's longest shot challenge. Uh, we're talking about the calculations that they have to do when they do these extreme shooting events. It's not just get a hunch, hold over a bunch. Uh, this this really is rocket science. As he was just talking about spin drift and time of flight and uh, so forth. I'm going to let him pick it up from here and, and finish us off about what's involved and how these guys pull it off at Applied Ballistics. And you find out more at AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. Mitch, take it from there, please. Okay, yeah. So once you get uh, past the spin drift, um, another another common one, and this is one some guys like to make fun of. Some people don't believe in it. But this is a legitimate thing we account for, and it's called the, the Coriolis effect, and, you know, the Earth's rotation. So the Earth's spinning, and when you fire a projectile, it's kind of uh, – it's no longer connected, you know, to the earth while it's spinning for a, a period of time. And so your target will have moved on the surface of the earth uh, while your bullet's in flight on its way there. Well, the target and, can move and the earth moves. Well, that, that's what I mean. Even if it's a stationary target, the earth itself is moving. So in relation to the projectile, the target has moved. So, you, you know, you've got to essentially lead it. <laughs> and that's what we... Uh, we account for with the Coriolis effect, and at these ranges, it can easily be four, five, six feet of difference just because of that. So all these little details <laughs> we account for in all the the atmospherics. That's there's a lot of lot of fine details that go into these uh, ballistics calculations um, to predict these shots. So so uh, I saw a video online. Guys from Gunworks had done it, and he shot directly east and directly west, same cartridge, same time of day. Uh, one target was 1,000 yards. Both targets were 1,000 yards away from his position. One hit 10 inches high, one hit 10 inches low um, with 1,000 yards zero because of the movement. So that was the earth is spinning, obviously, towards the east. So it's spinning towards the east. So if you're aiming north 
your target's going to go to your right, right? And if you're aiming south, or one of those two, but it's going to move depending on what angle on the compass, the target's going to move away from you at a different position, right? Yep. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's kind of hard to understand, and it's like virtually impossible to explain, you know, in a medium like this. You almost have to try to do it in person. But if you're in the northern hemisphere, you always hit to the right, I believe, and if you're in the southern hemisphere, you always hit to the left. Um, and believe it or not, whether or not you're painting, you're pointing north or south, it doesn't matter. It only matters what hemisphere you're in. Really? Um, and that's for your your horizontal um, correction. But your vertical correction, that's the one that really it, it depends on your angle of fire, whether you're you know pointing east or west and whatnot. That's a lot of science coming into it. The other thing um, that's quite interesting is how many minutes of angle do you have to compensate for to shoot at 3,520 yards? Uh, in, most, in most conditions, right around 180 minutes. Um, at high elevations, you know, it comes down to like 130. Um, okay, so let's go with 180. 180. Yeah. So if I'm over here at West End Gun Club, and I'm dialing in my 100-yard zero, and then I say, okay, I'm going to crank it up for my two-mile zero. My target is going to be hitting 15 feet above my 100-yard yep. zero. Yep. <laughs> 15 feet above. So, yeah, I guess when I'm spotting for somebody, I could tell them, okay, you're sighted in for 1,500 yards when they're really off, right? But um, that's, that's just where it starts. It gets higher from there. Oh, yeah, because like I said, we're shooting some of the highest ballistic performance setups there are. So virtually anything else, if you're shooting a 338 or a 50 cal, you know, you'll easily be over 200 minutes. Unbelievable. And and that, when you have a bullet that takes that many minutes of adjustment, it also increases the time of flight. And any, oh, yeah. anytime you're increasing your time of flight, because a lot of guys will say, geez, you know, a, a six millimeter PPC is more accurate or something like that. But you guys are pushing the velocity. Because the longer the bullet is in the air, the more things can happen to it, right? Yep. Well, exactly. And, and you know, like, like I said, use that example of the 6PPC. That little 6-millimeter bullet is, has so, many, uh, so much more sensitive to the atmospheric influences. Um, you have to go to the, you know, you have to shoot the highest performance setup you can to decrease those sensitivities um, down to where you can even remotely have a chance of predicting what's going on. Now, what is the ultimate? Uh, now, because you have such a high BC and you're starting off at 3,200 feet a second, which is awesome. I like to keep my rigs at least 32 to 34, depending on my hunting rigs and stuff. But yeah. um, and a lot of guys are like, well, geez, at 308 to 2,600, you don't need anything else. But you're delivering energy to the target. And um, there's a certain point where the bullet slows down where you're not really able to consistently predict its behavior at a certain speed, correct? Well, so that was kind of the... Theory? That, that used to be true. We're, we're to the point now where we, we can do that. We, we know how to keep bullets stable, you know, through transonic, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, when you go from supersonic flight above the speed of sound to um, subsonic flight, um, you know, the, how the bullets are made, um, you know, a lot of the burger bullets, they all... Um, I'm not going to say all of them, I guess, but the vast majority of them, the large 30 caliber and 338 bullets, all of them are properly designed to fly through that transonic barrier. Um, you know, the cutting edge bullets we use, they all fly well through that transonic barrier. So 
we're we're able to you know make those predictions and actually do that now. But it's bullet design that has accomplished that. And again, that's pushing the envelope as to why is it tumbling at uh, you know why is it tumbling at yeah. seventeen hundred yards? Why am I keyholing a, a paper target? Well, that's because of the bullet design. You need to have the right bullets yep. for that. Yep, you have to have the bullet design. It's got to be stable. You know, you got to have the right twist rate. Um, all that. All that plays a factor. Okay, so let's say that we go out with you, and uh, we're going to shoot two miles, and you dial up your scope. What is the apex of your trajectory? Because this is so wild to, to hear. Um, it, I know with a fifty caliber, it's like you could, if you had a nine-story building, you could open up the windows on both ends and shoot through the window and hit your target on the other side. <laughs> what yeah. is? How high is it at the, at the highest point of flight? can't remember exactly off the top of my head um this is either so my farthest shot to date is actually 4044 yards and i'm trying i can't remember if the number i'm about to tell you is from that shot or from two miles it might be from the 4000 yard shot but some shooting we've done um your max ordinate is at times 900 feet above your line of sight Um, uh, what 900 feet? feet yep so how do you do a wind call up there? Because I mean, it's a challenge. It's, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. Um, a lot of it's you know known as like the wind gradient. So the you know wind is as you go up away from terrain and from uh, ground obstacles like trees and whatnot, the wind gets higher and higher velocities as right. you go up. So you, all that's taken into account. Nine that that I was thinking 150, 200 feet, 900 feet. 300 yards above the line of sight, and you're able to bring it down and hit a target. At, at uh, the two-mile targets, or even the 4,000-yard targets, how big are the targets? Uh, Three-foot square, 36 inches. And it's a square, not a, not a circle? Yep, square. Wow. That's just because it's easy to make targets that are squares. So. <laughs> well, not only that, what, how... How hard is it to see 4,000 yards? Doesn't it have to be elevated? Aren't you kind of shooting over the curve of the earth? No, not usually with the terrain features where you're going to be shooting these, these if it was to- If it was totally flat, wouldn't you have to have an elevated target at 4,000 yards? If it was perfectly flat in theory, yeah. Um, so, folks, they're shooting. <laughs> if it was on the ground, if we had level ground, they're shooting what you can't see. That's how far it is because it's it's beyond the actual roll of the earth at 4,000 yards. That is amazing. Yeah. 900 feet in the air, and you can't even see it from here, and you're pulling yeah, off and, those shots. Yeah, and it's a 36-inch square. And here's the, I mean, the way I explain it to people is a 36-inch square at two miles looks like a one-inch square at 100 yards. So whatever well, you and use what, at 60 aim, power, right? What, well, what? no, it's, it's, it's angularly the same. It's, I understand. It what I'm saying identical. is what... What power scope do you have to use? Well, I, I've shot I've shot two miles on seven power before. Seeing the target's actually not the problem. You know, a lot of people it's actually a misconception. It is when you're really fifty-three years high old. Magnification. <laughs> well, but again, anything that you can you any anything you can use to shoot at a one-inch square at a hundred yards, in theory, you can use that same setup to aim at a, a thirty-six-inch square at two miles. You would know. Um, yeah, it's like I said, we do it. We, I've shot, uh, so at the World's Longest Shot Challenge, we shot at the two-mile target, um, and I ended up hitting it. I hit it three out of five times. I hit it on my second, third, and fifth shots. Um, 
and that's except a one minute target at that distance and it was on my scope was on seven power because I was you know holding the reticle to get the elevation I needed yeah well that's that you had to zoom down so what we just said there's you had to go down in power to get a wide enough field of view to hold high enough to hit that target wow yep. That's interesting. Hey, Mitch, I want to thank you. We're out of time, but hopefully we'll have you and uh, maybe Brian and anybody else you'd like to have come back on. Folks, check them out at AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. Great information. Uh, You can get as crazy as you want or learn as little as you want. That's the way life is. AppliedBallisticsLLC.com. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you all next week. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.